It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening, Reggie? What's up, Luke? Man, I cannot believe it's already Thursday. This week is getting away from us, baby. One more day. One more day, man. Almost there. TGIF. One more day. Let's grind through this one. Another big lined up today. Getting you all caught up on the final practice of Vikings mandatory minicamp. And, of course... Twins beat the Yankees last night. Am I reading that right? Twins beat the Yankees 8-1. It to one. Later, it's real. it's real. It happened. Pinch me. Later, I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, of course, with what does it mean. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family-served business serving do-it-yourselfers like Reggie and I for over 20 years. Reliably low prices for every customer, from brake parts to tail lamps, even new carpet for your vehicle. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you. That's rockauto.com. All right, let's talk about those twins, shall we? Twins win, beat the Bronx Bombers, and put some authority into it, spanking them 8-1. to one. Chris Archer mm-hmm. made it count, putting up arguably his best outing of the season when the team needed him the most. Just two hits against the best lineup in baseball. One earned run, chews up five innings, even was clocked at 97 miles an hour, throwing some smoke last night. Picks up his first dub of the season. On the other side of the ball, Twins' bats were cooking. Jose Miranda with three RBIs. Buxton and Jeffers both go yard. Carlos Correa was back in the lineup while Luis Arise was out with a minor shoulder injury. Reggie, for the first time in weeks, months, maybe all season, it just felt like this Twins team had it all going at the same time. A total, complete team game, top to bottom. And if this is what they can do when when fully healthy, watch out. I mean, if you think things have been fun to this point, we may be only scratching the surface here of their true potential. Yeah. Like, what was interesting is is they packed Nasty Nestor up last Mm. night. Got him out the paint. Him and his stash. Back to the dugout you go, bucko. Mm. Like, it was kind of crazy how they packed him up last night in that fifth inning. They just, Jeffers, bombs. 0 for 21 slump. How how about a a snap out of that one? 440 feet later. Like, and then Buxton comes up. He was so hype. I thought he was going to miss first base when he was going around the bases. <laughs> he was you going know? nuts. He was going crazy. But you know what? It it, it matters, man. It means mm-hmm. something. And it's funny because, you know, Chris Archer had turned in some pretty good pitching performances this season. He also had some bad ones. But it's been crazy that when he has turned in pretty good pitching performances, he doesn't get the decision. Last night. Five innings, only 70 pitches through those five innings. Mm. Rocco pulls them, and the team finally gives him that support. I don't think the Yankees have been 8-1 to at all this season. Like, that was impressive. We just talked about yesterday on the show about how 
crazy, crazy good that lineup is from the Yankees. One of the best in baseball. Murderers maybe Club. up there. Yeah, maybe up there with the best in baseball. I think I still put the, put the Dodgers above them. Mm-hmm. But like that, to hold that lineup to only one run was incredible. And it's just like, look, we talked about it. Like, okay. They don't beat the teams down that they're supposed to over the last few weeks. But then they go ahead and go to Toronto. They take two or three from them. And then you're like, man, if we could just get one from the Yankees, we'll be fine with that. But it's just like after last night's performance, you're just like, why can't they take two out of three? Let's go. Why, Why can't they? And it's just funny because they put the recipe for success out there. And I think what we have found out and what we are finding out is that the Twins have a team full of gamers. They are not afraid of the opponent that they're taking on because they're like, look, they put their pants on just like we put our pants. They lace their cleats up just like we They got big bass. We got big bass too, you know, like we can, we can hang, we can compete. And I think the worry really for the Twins fans was probably like the pitching. You know, they come out yesterday with Cole Sands and he gets roughed up a little bit. And you're just like, well, I don't know. Maybe they could try to see if they can beat them like 10 to 9. And you're just like, wow, like you had a pretty good pitching performance from top to bottom. And they're able to beat the Yankees, the the dreaded Yankees. Mm-hmm. They beat them. And I'm looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. You mentioned Buxton just getting Jack fired up after that home run. And and mm-hmm. we know analysts is just taking over baseball and almost all of sports now. But, you know, a lot of old school fans, the elderly statesmen, if you will, will argue mm-hmm. there's something about analytics that you just can't put your finger on when it comes to the human element of the game. This game's full of emotions. And who knows, maybe this was just – the little bit of burst that this team needed to put a statement game out there on the Yankees, the New York Yankees, the best team in the league, like that 8-1 to one last night. Maybe we see a little bit of ripple effect and see this team start to play with a little bit of emotion. And now that we're, you know, two, three, almost three months into the baseball season, really start to put it all together because that's what they did last night. And that's what fans have been asking for, for the mm-hmm. pitching and the hitting and the coaching, if you will, to put it all together consistently night in and night out. And yep. by the way, just imagine, too, when you get a rise back in that lineup with Buxton and Correa for a few weeks, top of that order, just busting out with potential, not to mention getting Joe Ryan back here. Got to be any day now. ESPN's power rankings came out today. Twins dropped one spot out of the top 10 to 11. The mm-hmm. article notes no other team in the league, not one other team, has had to deal with more injuries than your Minnesota Twins. 24 mm-hmm. different injuries, including five starting pitchers. Kenta Maeda, Chris Paddock, Joe Ryan, Sonny Gray, Bailey Ober. Whether Sheesh. it's shelf for, whether it's being, you know, shelf for the entire season or hitting the COVID list or just banged up here or there. Every team loves to complain about the injuries they've been dealt with, but when it comes to the Twins, no one is more justified. Despite all this, Twins remain atop of the AL Central, where they've resided since April 24th. Quick thoughts on the power rankings themselves and the plethora of injuries the Twins have gone through. It's a testament to the Twins. Yeah. You know, I, I think that is something that is really, really cool about what's going on is they've taken this next man up mentality 
to the to the nth degree, you know. And it's it's also a testament to the grit of this team. They came out to start the season, and you're just like, oh, here we go again. Here we with these darn twins. This is gonna be a long season. And then they put together these winning streaks. They go on these runs. And all of a sudden, you know, you're you're up there talking about the Twins as being one of the better teams in baseball. And I think that is, I mean, shout out to them for that. Because coming into the season, you're just like, well, I know the bats are going to be there. They went and got Correa. You know, they brought Sanchez over. Urshela, I'm not sure that people thought that they were going to get what they've gotten out of him so far. And, you know, Luisa Rise, I'm sure they didn't see that coming. Nobody really did, I'm sure. And they are doing their thing. And what's cool about it is, is they got Correa back from the COVID list. I think Joe Ryan is scheduled to make his, his rehab start any day now. It might be tonight. And then all of a sudden, now you're going to get him back after a long stint on that COVID list. Maybe they're going to start to get healthier a little bit. And then that just kind of rides that momentum into the next one because what's been tough is, is it's been a pretty patchwork starting rotation. They have still not figured out everything that they could about the bullpen as well. But they've been finding ways to win these games. It's just like, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. And you lose Chris Paddock to start the year, and you're just like, dang, like we were counting on him. We're already thin as it is. And it's just like, yep, next man up. Yep, who? Uh, Devin Smeltzer. Yeah, throw him out there. Yep, he can get it done. Yep. Next. It's Come just like, who else? Who else? You know, they signed Aaron Sanchez. They're, you know, it's not going to be very long before they probably put him out there. Hey, man, let's see what you got. Hey, we had Nash Walker on just a few days ago. Remember, we asked him, Nash, what's the secret sauce here? What, what, what's been the difference from last year to this year? Depth, plain and simple. It's been the depth. How could you not? You don't have 24 mm-hmm. injuries and end up in first place in your division without a lot of depth. So shout out to Nash Walker there. Other quick rankings and notes from the power rankings. Yankees 1, Dodgers 2, Mets 3. Tampa Bay Rays 9, who the Twins will see next, but maybe most mm-hmm. noteworthy. The Guardians jump up four spots to 14 and leapfrog the White Sox, who dip down to 16. Ooh. We've mentioned the Sox yesterday taking a big one from the Dodgers two nights ago. They end up losing last night, but we've all just been kind of waiting, waiting for them to turn it on, I guess. They're 4-6 and six in their last 10. While the Guardians are 7-3, and three, they're really starting to turn it around. They're starting to heat up. All this time, fans figured it would be the White Sox that were the biggest threat to the Twins. But what are the chances it's actually, in fact, Cleveland Twins team should be worried about? I don't know. I really don't know what's going on with the White Sox. But for some reason, I just continue to think that they are going to find a way to turn it around. You know, Tony Tony LaRusso is going to get those guys in there and he's going to figure it out. I mean, he has all kinds of experience with baseball teams like he knows the the secret sauce he knows the winning recipe so I do feel like the Sox are going to go on some type of a run this summer and and make it interesting but I don't know maybe I just I haven't seen enough of the Guardians to just think that they will I mean it is impressive what they are doing but I just I just don't know 
I don't know. I don't trust them. When you look at the White Sox lineup, you just sit there and you go, there's just too much talent on this team mm-hmm. for them not to eventually start to heat up and go on some sort of run. But again, it's just been two, two and a half, almost three months now. And it's like, ah, if not now, then when? I mean, they're starting right. to get a little bit more healthy. And again, just seems like so much talent that eventually they'll just start to uh, compete at a higher level that I think mm-hmm. a lot of fans were waiting for and predicted at the beginning of this season to ultimately end up winning this division from a lot of MLB experts. Twins currently up four games on the Guardians, five on the White Sox. Big win last night. Twins need to keep it rolling with a tough schedule still looming. Game three tonight versus the Yankees for the series. Another 6.40 p.m. first pitch in the back. Backyard here at Target Field. Garrett Cole squares off against Bailey Ober for the rubber match. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here tomorrow to break all that down. Coming up, we're talking Vikings minicamp practice. And later, I'm putting Reggie through the gauntlet with what does it mean. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be your number one source for all your betting needs. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports info, including this year's basketball finals, Major League Baseball, fights, and even NFL futures. Hey, Reggie, throw a 20 spot on the Twinkies for me, will you? Come on. Ah. Come on, man. I'll pay you back. You know I'm good for it, man. Head to the website today or use their mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right. Well, Vikings entered their minicamp early, taking the final day off today as they get a nice long six-week break before clocking into training camp at TCO at the end of July. We'll get into some soundbite quotes from Kirk Cousins here in a second, but first... CBS Sports highlighted the best offseason move from each NFC team. For the Vikings, Patrick Walker said it was stealing Zadarius Smith from the division rival Packers, not only bringing in another pass-rushing menace to add opposite of Daniil Hunter, but Mm -hmm. a two-for-one being able to steal such a high-level player at a premium position from your biggest division threat. Just how big of an impact could Zadarius have in this new Ed Donatel defense? And with his injury passed... Get a little long in the tooth, 31 years old. Just how much trouble would they be in if he or Hunter were to miss any lengthy period of time? Yeah, that would be tough. Mm-hmm. You're banking on his health. You know, anytime you got someone dealing with a back issue, you're just like, eh, I don't know. But, you know, he was able to come back at the end of last season, and he's now gone through this full off season of work so far, uh, healthy. And so you're like, okay. Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. Let's hope for the best. And then it's also really good, too, because they have a scheme change going from the 4-3 to the 3-4, and he's played in that pretty much his whole career. And so he's going to be someone who is going to be integral in helping, you know, as they transition to this 3-4 because he knows his assignment. He knows what everybody else is supposed to do, you know, along that that front seven and he's going to help get everybody together for that and I think you know him being able to have kind of like a on-the-job training not that Daniil Hunter needs to be trained for anything but him being able to be out there and and show by example of what to do on that edge as they stand up from putting their hand uh, as Daniil really stands up from putting his hand on the ground the last few years I think is going to be really crucial to their transition into this new scheme. Hunter's always had that veteran presence. You're right. Like Everson Griffin was always the guy he looked up to. So still having somebody like Sidarius Smith, and not to mention they bring over 
the linebacker coach from the Packers, Mike Smith. So you know Zadarius is already feeling warm and welcome at his new home, very comfortable with that linebacker coach that he had and worked under in Green Bay and Mike Smith. Yeah, and so I think you're looking at two guys who are going to be some game wreckers if they are healthy. And that is a scary thought for the rest of that division and really the rest of the NFC when you talk about their contention for the playoffs and them having to, you know, teams having to come through Minnesota to get to where they're going to get. I think Minnesota is going to make it very hard for all of these other teams when they play. Like it's not going to be it's not going to be a very easy, easy game when the Vikings come to town or when they come to town to play the Vikings. Everybody's just, yeah, but if they can stay healthy, but it's true. There's definitely some serious injury concerns, some injury pass, so it's warranted. Yeah. I mean, they do need to stay healthy, but it's hard not to get pretty excited when you just look at the talent. When healthy, if they can stay healthy, play a full slate, 17 games, whatever it may be. As far as the rest of the division, the article says the best move for the Packers was bound down to Aaron Rodgers, paying him off, <laughs> retaining him for the next few years. The Lions, it was signing wideout DJ Chark, adding more speed into the offense for Jared Goff. And for the Bears, well, it was just not trading away Robert Quinn. Good job, guys. Retain one of your best players. Uh, the bar is just set awfully low over there, huh? It's just <laughs> about Chicago, man. They're going to so, be a defensive team, I feel like, with this next season. I mean, they bring a defensive coordinator over as head coach, and you have a guy like Robert Quinn back there. I mean, they did trade Khalil Mack, so that's not really doing them any favors. But, you know, their defense wasn't bad last year, and I think they're going to probably hang their hat more on the defensive side this season. Yeah. Speaking of Zadarius Smith, after practice, Kirk Cousins said Ed Donatel's defense will make things muddy for opponents. To paraphrase, he said, when I get up to the line of scrimmage, I don't know who's coming, who's going. There's a lot of moving parts. When you hear those comments from Kirk, what's your initial thoughts about what the defense is going to look and feel like in 2022? Because remember, we had eight years of Mike Zimmer. We we're used to one thing, one certain way for almost a decade. It's certainly going to be something different after eight straight years under Zim. Well, you look at where Donatel has just kind of come from, mm -hmm. that Vic Fangio defense, and Vic Fangio is largely regarded as one of the best defensive coordinators in the game. And Ed Donatel was with him, and they were just cooking up just some fire, cooking up some goodness, giving offenses fits, you know, especially in that, in that loaded AFC West that he was coming from like that defense was one of the best defenses in the league and the you know the offense just couldn't match up with him but him coming over now without Fangio but now he has a collaborative type of thing going on with Mike Pedden being there Mike Smith being there all these guys kind of like uh like creating like a meeting of the minds and I think the cool thing about Ed Donatel is He's not one of those like old stubborn guys. Like, even though he's kind of an old wily guy, you know, he's still in the position where he's like, look, I'm still trying to learn. And I, he wanted to get aligned with someone like Kevin O'Connell because that was going to be an offense that was going to challenge him, that was going to keep his mind fresh, trying to figure out how to battle different offenses around the league game in and game out. And I think that is what is really cool about this whole thing is he's hungry. 
He's motivated. He has a lot of different ideas. He's open to different ideas from Kevin O'Connell and the rest of that defensive coaching staff as well. And I think that is going to be a good recipe for just some chaos on game days. Immediately what I go to is, okay, a lot of moving parts means a lot of different roles and sub packages for guys. Kind of the new wave and identity of the NFL. Sub packages for a yeah. lot of these different depth second and third team guys. You got your base defense. We know what those 11 guys are going to look like. But okay, mm-hmm. now it's nickel. Maybe they love the rookie from Oklahoma in passing situations. Maybe they want a three safety look on third and 13 versus third and six with yeah. Harry, Bynum, and Scene. So so many mm-hmm. options inside this front seven specifically with early round picks we just don't know anything about like we've mentioned Patrick Jones third round pick Demarcus Robinson Florida State Chaz Surratt was a third round pick Troy Dye DJ Wanham's moving to a new position maybe he finds himself hand in the dirt once in a while muddying looks means just a lot of different moving parts a lot of different variables and it tells me a lot of different looks and wrinkles and the best coaches we've said this before to maximize their player skill set so yeah finding unique roles for some of these guys in sub packages is what i fully expect to come to fruition once we get you know three four or five weeks into the season and yeah. everybody is more comfortable with the meat and potatoes just kind of this defensive install that's a wrap for mandatory mini camp though and it's going to be a nice long stretch of vacation for a lot of these guys including kevin o'connell who said since the beginning of training camp last year with the Rams, he really hasn't taken a break or had any time off. And we'll use these next few, few weeks to really clear his head before the starting training camp takes place in six weeks. Kind of the calm before the storm here now, Reggie. Yeah, take care of some of those kids, brother. You got all yeah, those no kids. Kidding, take man. care of Family them. man. All right, the time has come. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat with what does it mean, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. First up, Rams Pro Bowl wideout Cooper Cup signed a three-year, $80 million extension that included $75 million in guaranteed money and is worth $100 million over the next five years, according to Adam Schefter. You know what I'm going to ask you, Reggie? What does it mean for the Vikings and the deal they have to get done when it comes time to retain Justin Jefferson's services? Luke, Luke, real quick, be quiet. You hear that? You hear that? What is that? Beep, beep, <laughs> beep, beep. That's the Brinks truck backing up to Egan, the Vikings facility. That, That's happening because it's going to be time for J.J. to get paid. Justin Jefferson is arguably, you know, some may put him in the conversation as the best wide receiver in the league. He's certainly at the top, top five, top three wide receivers in the league just came into this league took it by storm and you're talking about a guy who is still ascending but the greatness that is there already you know I'm I'm thinking he's going to be a 2000 yard receiver double digit touchdown receiver in this offense next year he looked at Cooper Cup's production I'm sure he looked at OBJ's production in the in the Rams offense with O'Connell being there and probably just like he's just like you ever seen like that big juicy piece of steak and you're just so hungry and your mouth is just like watering like I'm sure that is where he is right now he's just like ooh, like he's got that grill in his mouth like he can't even he can't even contain himself he's gonna be able to buy a million more of those grills 
when it's all said and done because you give a guy $75 million guaranteed and make no mistake about it, Cooper Cup deserved that money. Oh, no because doubt. Because crown winner, he, no doubt. I mean, the dude, like, he's one of those dudes that, like, is just an, an assassin and you just really just try to figure out, like, how is he doing this? Like, how is he getting open so much? What is going on? But, you know, looking at it, J.J. is the same type of dude. Like, he always finds a way to get open. He's a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. Like, the dude just gets it done. And he is literally, like, I think he got robbed when it comes to first-team All-Pro. They gave it to Debo, mm -hmm. and they accounted for Debo's rushing yards and, and all that stuff. When Debo is saying now that he doesn't even like doing that, but that helped him earn that all-pro status. And now, you know, he's trying to get traded away from the 49ers and get a good deal. But it's just like, look, get it how you live, bruh. Because pretty soon, they are going to have to pay. And also, <laughs> they could take a page out of the Rams book because I don't know how the Rams are able to afford all these guys. They're still talking about they want to sign OBJ to a deal as well. And my thought is, where are you getting this money from? Is what the type cap of real? Is this a real it, thing? Obviously not with them. I don't know if they call Roger up. Hey, Roger. Uh, so we need a little bit more money. We got to keep our guys, man. Roger's like, I guess. Fine. <laughs> Here you go. Don't tell everybody else, though. But here's a couple more million dollars just to help you guys out. You know, it, it wouldn't be the first time that, you know, the whole... Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to go there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it's crazy. It seems like the Rams are printing money at this point. And so, Quasey, I know he's a numbers guy. He's a money guy, manipulating the cap and all that good stuff. But they have to find a way. What luxury that they have that they were able to trade away Stephon Diggs and then draft Justin Jefferson. Like, We've seen it recently where these receivers have come into the league and set the league on fire. But we've also seen on the flip side of it where these guys come into the league and you just you're like, oh, OK, we're still kind of waiting on them to really like make a splash. And that could have been the case with Justin Jefferson. Obviously, that's not the case. The dude is a bona fide superstar in this league. And, uh, yeah, start counting them pennies up. Start saving them ducats because it's going to going to be time to pay up real soon. Real soon. One of the huge premium values of a first-round pick is you get that fifth-year option. So you basically get an extra year at kind of that rookie money. But, mm -hmm. you know, with somebody like J.J., I mean, some of these times, these deals get done in the fourth year or yeah. before the fifth year starts because you don't want a disgruntled employee, basically, right? Especially when it's one of the faces of your franchise. So you kind of work with them, meet in the middle a little bit and say, let's just get this deal done and make Absolutely. both sides happy. So it's certainly something to keep in mind that, okay, technically on paper, JJ's entering his third year. You might get three, four, five, so three more seasons at rookie money. But mm -hmm. I highly doubt the Vikings front office will let it get to that stage in the contract. Yeah, you don't do that to him. Done. Yeah, you should see something done. I would assume by next offseason before he gets into his fourth year. All right, next one. What does it mean? The Boston Celtics use their home court advantage to hold off the Warriors and take game three, 116 to 110. What does it mean when it comes to the more concerning loss? Steph Curry in the final few minutes of game three or 
losing game three itself, now being down two games to one. Thoughts on the series as it stands now? Oh, the loss of Steph Curry is definitely concerning because, like, he walked away limping, mm-hmm. you know, after Al Horford just put his whole big body on him. What are you doing, my guy, going for a loose ball like that? Like, the game was pretty much over at that point anyway. The Warriors were just trying to, like, figure out if there was a way that they could try to come back at all. But that game was toast anyway. And so, you know, give it to Horford for the effort. But, like, you just probably injured their superstar. And without Steph, they are nothing. Because in those stretches yesterday when Steph was in foul trouble and he was out of the game, the Warriors had nothing. And you like to think that Jordan Poole would step up, but he didn't have much last night either. And it's just like you, you can't really count on him. Like he had a great game too, but then game three, not much going on. And then who else are you going to count on? I mean, Clay quietly had a pretty good night, but Clay Thompson is not the same Clay Thompson that we saw before the ACL and especially not before the Achilles as well. Like, he just doesn't have that same burst, that same explosion. He's not the same guy. You know, he's Clay. You know, he can still hit you some some crazy shots, but, like, it's just something's just off, you know? And they kind of look like that team that, you know, they won, they beat the Bulls record that year. And it was like they're a good team. They play with good flow. But when you go ahead and and go against these teams against uh, go against these teams, I should say that have you know these weapons, these superstars that can just go get a bucket. I mean, Jalen Brown kind of does the Giannis thing several times a game, where he's just like, you know what? I'm not passing this. I'm going to back up, dribble back, reset, and then I'm going full speed ahead to the basket. You try to stop me, and more times than not. It happens. It, it it works out. Jason Tatum, crazy acrobatic shots that he gets in ISO one-on-one situations. The Warriors don't have a guy who can do that. You know, maybe maybe Wiggins from time to time, but sometimes I you just wonder where his head is sometimes. Like you're just like, is he here or is he, you know, in Jupiter somewhere just trying to figure out what the stars look like from another planet? Like, where is he? And Draymond, Draymond is just all talk at this point. Like, I think he does more harm than he does good for the Warriors sometimes. And and he does all that yapping. I tweeted last night, Draymond needs to stop all the talking and just go out there and hoop, man. Because, like, his little nine points and, and the yapping that he does and, you know, the physical play and mixing it up and muddying it up and all that stuff, like, that's not going to help this team. Like, they need some people that can help get some buckets. And Steph is the main person that is consistently getting them buckets. And if he's hurt, like, they're in a world of trouble. Because Boston, one thing about Boston, and that's something that happens with these young teams as well, they ain't scared. Like, they're like, look, you could come and, you know, try to push and maybe play a little bit dirty and, you know, try to talk and, you know, try to get in our heads. Look, we're going out here and we're we're about to bust your behind. Come do something about it. And the Warriors sometimes seem just way too finesse about their game. And Steph Curry last night was a little bit of a microwave. His shooting helped keep them in it. Because if not for him, they would have gotten blown out. And so when you look at game four, 
And I'm calling it a must win for the Warriors in this game four because they need this one. They're going to have to have Steph, and they're going to have to have Steph at at least 80 to 85% to have a chance. If not, Boston is going to roll because these boys are showing that, you know, they've been through the fire. We've talked about it on this show several times. Like, they've been through the fire in that Eastern Conference, and they're not scared of no Warriors, especially without a guy like a Kevin Durant. Like, who do you look at other than Steph and, and you're just really scared of? But you're only scared of Steph because of his shooting ability. But if you kind of try to like lock him up, double him up, and make him force it to someone else to to make shots, I don't think you're as confident in that next person as you are in Steph to step up. So good luck, Golden State. Good luck. Celtics rode to the finals. They beat the mm-hmm. Nets, Kyrie and KD. They beat the Bucks, last mm-hmm. year's champion. And then they beat the Heat, the number one seed. Once they got in there, they're playing with house money, man. You're right. They ain't Mm -hmm. scared. I mean, nothing to lose. All the pressure's on you guys, Golden State. And they're going out there, and they're just grinding these games totally as a team effort, not just one guy carrying the team. It's been a complete team game and performance. It's been a lot of fun to watch. And as far as Curry goes, he said after the game he thinks he'll be able to play. He'll give it 48 hours. We'll see. Obviously, they tip off Friday night, 8 p.m. But sometimes you wake up that next day from an injury. You don't think it's too bad, Mm -hmm. and you wake up things are a little tight things aren't moving quite as well we'll see how today goes and we'll he's get had a history too of yeah, ankle has. injuries right so that's not good not good at all again game four tomorrow night abc eight o'clock tip off huge game four reggie's calling it a must win for the warriors reggie you survived the gauntlet back here tomorrow breaking down more twins vikings and plenty more remember to like rate review and subscribe to our youtube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in minnesota sports he's reggie wilson follow him on twitter at reggie wilson tv and on care 11 on luke inman on twitter at luke underscore spinman tune in tomorrow to superior sports talk part of locked on sports minnesota for reggie i'm luke and tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 